Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I am so excited to sit down with Eman Hagag. She is the program manager slash community manager slash does all awesome things <laughs> at at Meta, and she works on a program called Nourish Teachers, and she'll be telling you a little bit more about that. Um, but a little bit about a man before we get started and into all the things. Before working as a program manager, a man spent 15 years in the classroom. She was teaching, she was developing integrated content for STEM, for K-12. And before joining Meta just recently, she was an instructional coach that was helping educators meaningfully integrate tech into the learning journey. And I love that she wrote that so intentionally in her bio, because when we talk about ed tech, we talk about meaningful use of ed tech and not ed tech for ed tech shiny object syndrome sake. Mm -hmm. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about all things community, how to build community, what is community, what does community look like in a team of educators, how do you start it, what are the challenges, all of the things around that. But she's also going to be talking about her unique role. So she transitioned from in the classroom to out of the classroom. And not just out of the classroom, she transitioned to one of the biggest tech companies in the world. So she's going to talk about that journey. And she'll have some tips for educators, you know, what to expect if you're thinking about it or not. Is it right for you? But on the ed tech side, um, what should you be doing to make sure that that transition it goes well and that you're welcoming educators? And if you can't hire educators, how can you integrate educator voices? So whether you're an ed tech professional or an educator, this episode will have a lot for you, I promise. But before we get into those things, I just want to talk a little bit about a man, kind of slightly gush about you. This is where I embarrass my guests, a man. Okay. <laughs> I have been absolutely blessed to work with you, a man, um, I think for about a year now, right? Yeah, man, it's been a year. I can't believe how... Yeah, it feels longer, past... like in a good way. Yeah, um, so my team at LCG has worked with Meta for over four years, and one of our projects involves building up a community of educators on Facebook groups called Nourish Teachers. And a man will talk all about that, but I just want to give a shout out to you, Aman, because I've known a lot of educators that have done this transition, and I know that you probably, from your internal critic, you're like, oh, Lord, it is hard. It is hard. <laughs> but you have done it so well. You are you're funny, you're smart, you have that teacher voice when you come in still and you conduct meetings sometimes. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm in a man's class. Um, and you roll up your sleeves when things get challenging, which I love. And with all of the educators that I admire, you are a lifelong learner. You are curious. You're like, I don't know, but I'm going to jump into it. It's not like you were a community manager before you got into this role too. So being able to just dive in and say, I'm going to learn it 
tell me more is super it's just something that I love in people. I search for people on my team that have those characteristics. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get into it. I just want to formally welcome you, Amanda, to all things marketing and education. And I'm just so glad that you said yes. Thank you. It was not easy, but you know what? Like, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's jump into it and see, and see how this uh, rolls out. So, and thank you for the introduction. That made me feel very good. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when I first started this podcast, I was freaking scared. I was really scared. I was like, I don't like my voice. I don't want to see myself on screen. All of those critical things. But you have to do things that make you scared. And I would say that having a podcast is one of the things that give me one of the most joys in my job because I get to learn. Like my job is to learn from awesome, inspiring people and then share it out. And I, I like the format of podcast too, because, you know, it, it accesses a different type of person, someone that listens. And I think that that's so important. <laughs> that's how yes. I learn, at least. I like to listen. And we get to dive into deep conversation yeah, we normally sure. wouldn't get to, which I for love. Sure. So let's start with your journey. You okay. transitioned from in the classroom to meta. Yeah, <laughs> I know there are like, let's start to the educators listening. I know there are a lot of educators listening and, you know, they go, wow, how did she do that? And when did she know it was time to leave? Maybe let's start there and you, know, you just talk about your experience a little bit. For sure. I mean, I love teaching. I, I love teaching. I think about it even today in my role at Meta, where I'm like, man, I can't. I just, I miss that feeling of being in the classroom and being able to innovate and create and work in my case, most recently with middle school students and with STEM. And that was just so beautiful. And I, and I know it's in the cards for me. I I know that it's something that I will always gladly jump into, but for myself transitioning out of the classroom, it was never this moment of like, I need to get out. I need to get out right now. Like I'm feeling burnt out because the reality is Unfortunately, a couple of times throughout the year, I was getting burned out. And I'm sure a lot of teachers could relate to that with just the environment that we're in. Certain periods of the year, I guess it was like October or February, or when you have to start writing all of your eighth graders' recommendations, you just start to feel really burnt out. Um, But honestly, it wasn't because of that. For me, it was always about how much impact I am able to have. And Though I was in the classroom for 15 years, my my journey in those 15 years was kind of wild. I mean, I taught in about six different states. I taught abroad and I taught in about every type of school you can imagine, like public school, private school, charter school, Islamic school, all girls, all boys. And I even taught at like a startup school, which was very interesting when I moved to California. But I was always looking for like, how could I make that impact? And at a certain point, I think it was my last year before I left, I stumbled randomly upon competency-based learning. And that was something that, honestly, I've never heard about before. But it was so interesting to me because I felt like I was doing those things without having the vocabulary for it. And this is a theme that you're going to notice for me, like especially entering into the ed tech space. I do things and I don't have the vocabulary for it until I stumble upon it. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a community of people that are doing the same thing. So for me, it was competency-based learning. 
I delved into that and then I realized, oh my goodness, like if we're meeting learners where they are and we're organizing this curriculum or this experience really grounded in community, what would that look like to have that with teachers? And that was like my impetus. I was like, you know what? This is going to be scary. I've never exclusively worked with adults before because I'm a middle school teacher. Like you are by default kind of weird, <laughs> but um I jumped out and I didn't know what I was getting into. I'm going to be completely honest with you, but it ended up being beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's good that you, you differentiated that you weren't burnt out. Cause sometimes I, I asked guests like where there's signals, you know, yeah. and, and you know, like you said, there's ebbs and flows throughout the year where you have levels of burnout, just yeah. the profession. But as you decided to get the courage up to put your resume in and you then got the call and said, yes, come to Meta, um, what were the biggest hurdles you had to or maybe adjustments you had to make as an educator? Because it's almost like talking two different languages at times, I've noticed. Like when educators join, it's like they may say something and then, you know, the tech person, especially in big companies, you have lots of acronyms. You have lots of procedures. (laughs) Correct. And that goes back to that theme I was talking about, about using a certain vocabulary and, 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 and understanding the translation between both of them, if that makes any sense. You know, like, for example, a really big word that I use all the time nowadays is like stakeholders. I never use that word as a teacher. But when you think about like your audience or your learners or your members, like those are stakeholders, <laughs> just as an example. And so for myself, one of the biggest or one of the most difficult things to do was to take my experiences take my resume, take my classroom experiences and translate it into a language that was fit for a company like Meta, for example. And so what that looks like is really cleaning up your LinkedIn, really looking into your your, your Twitter account and seeing like, what is it that I follow? What is it that I put out there? Um, do I have a portfolio? What's the portfolio platform on? And really spending time with people that are not in the classroom, looking at their examples to make sure that your skills can translate over. Because the reality is, as a teacher, you have all of those skills, like literally every single one of those powerful skills you just have to put it in that language. And that for me was a was a big hurdle. But once I got through it, then it was just a matter of tweaking it along the way. If you don't know how to do that, how did you get help? Or like, I'm just trying to think about like, if you developed STEM curriculum and implemented it and taught it across the district, yeah. like how, how would we translate that where Meta's like, ooh, I'm looking for that skill. That's very, that's a really good question. So for me, like, I intentionally ran my materials by people that were not in the classroom and people that were in ed tech spaces or people that were in big companies to be like, does this make sense to you? And oftentimes it's it's true. They would look at it and be like, what does that mean if you scaffolded or differentiated? Or, 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 and I would have to sit back and explain to them exactly what I'm saying. Because when you talk to a teacher, they're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and so I would explain it to them and then they would help me put it in that language or even examples of, for me, things that I don't, I, I never thought were that big of a deal, but because of the profession that we're in, everybody does it. But for someone else, it's, it's huge. Like, for example, community building. Like I did a lot of work of community building with my students. And to me, it was just something you do. Like you just do that because you want to have a beautiful classroom environment. So when you explain that to someone and break it down, 
first I make this plan, then I intentionally do this, then I incorporate it in this lesson. They're like, put that on paper, you know? These yeah. are skills that people really benefit from. Yeah, it's funny because there's jargon on both sides, right? I remember in a meeting where um, me and a colleague, Steve Dembo, um, he and I dropped the SAMR model and we just assumed that people knew about it. And, yeah. and people's faces were a little bit blank in the room, but in a curious way. And uh -huh. I thought we got too jargony and they're like, no, no, tell us more. Like, this is interesting. <laughs> but like, it was just, if they saw it on paper, they wouldn't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> they would probably think it was a typo, right? So yeah. you, you got your resume, you got people to look at it, you applied. When you jumped into the role itself, I'd love for you to kind of explain maybe some of the adjustments you had to make because for educators that are thinking about, you know, doing this, like, is it right for them? Are they willing to make those adjustments? That might be helpful, I think. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I think one of the biggest adjustments for me to make was, it's going to sound strange, but I had to learn how to speed up exponentially, but also slow down. And I know that's a contrast, but when I say that, I mean, when you work in a school system, there are lots of things that are very predictable. Like there's a routine, there's an expectation throughout the year, there's an ebb and a flow depending on how the year goes. And until today, no matter what, like Sunday is my scary day. <laughs> like the, the summer is like, woohoo, even though I'm working. <laughs> there's just certain things. But because of that routine, I was able to like go fast in my classroom because nobody could control that. I was able to make my curriculum, work with my students, so on and so forth. When you're out of that environment and you're in this um, place like Meta, for example, it's not just you anymore. And you're constantly working with so many different type of people in a day. Like I'm working with an engineer and then I'm switching hats and I'm working with a program manager and then I'm switching hats and I'm working with a data analyst or so on and so forth. So, you know, when you step out of your comfort zone, you have to be willing to switch hats over and over and over again with different languages. And that makes you slow down. That's just the reality that makes you slow down a little bit and just listen. And so that would be like the biggest thing that I learned just listen, listen, listen. And of course, yeah. working with adults exclusively is not like working with students and parents and or even principals or any of that. It's like a completely different world. Um, and I've seen the people around you change because of it. And for, for the ed tech people listening about what it would let be like to bring in someone from in the classroom, sure, there are some challenges because you speak different vocabularies and sure. you might have different cultures in the beginning. But I have seen them be more attuned to like what it is to be in K-12 education. I've yeah. seen them work more collaboratively and understand where you're coming from more and more. And it's, you know, it, it's baby steps and it takes some time. But if you are a company servicing K-12 education, I can't imagine a better thing to do to make sure that your staff is attuned and collaborating Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and, and talking to the most that that period of listening pays off because you, you will spend some time listening. But once you're ready to start talking, they will listen. I've, I've learned that multiple times. I've seen it multiple times because you have a credibility that 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 other people don't. That's just a reality. And, and they're willing to listen. And therefore, it slows everything down a little bit because to go a little bit more at the pace of what school systems are, which are which are slow. That's just a reality. You know, 
Um, yeah, and I, I think about my experience working with lots of ed tech and and the roles of educators coming in versus the roles of you know executives that have very vast resumes in the tech world, Correct. and they all will give you information you need to make a decision. But none of that information trumps one or the other. They're all just giving you what you need to make a decision. And, and right. sometimes we have an inclination to think this information might be better than the other information or hold more weight. And I think that's the biggest mistake I see sometimes in tech. Yeah. Yes. Like, you know, either they weigh the educator too much Correct. or they weigh it not enough. But just weigh it amongst all the information and gather as much information as possible to make the best decision. Correct. Getting all the voices that you need. And and I have to say, I see that in nurse teachers today. And I know we're going to talk about it later, but yeah, there is a balance. And I love that. <laughs> well, I think the la one last thing I'd ask about your transition is I remember maybe like your second call with us and Porter, who leads the community alongside you on our team. She said, man, the one piece of advice I would give you <laughs> and you're nodding your head is I remember. Yeah. try not to be an educator. And I know that goes against everything we just said in this podcast, but what she meant is you as a community manager are now a community manager. You're no longer an instructional coach. And sometimes we, we put on our educator hat because it's what we're used to. Correct. But what does this new role require me to do, right? Right. Um, it, was, it, was, it was very interesting. I remember that day very clearly because, you know, I, I believe that for myself, like, once an educator, always an educator. However, once an educator, always an educator, you are currently not a classroom teacher. And I happened to step out of the classroom literally right before the pandemic. So no matter what I say or what I do, I have no idea what the classroom was like from 2020 until today, right? And even though you may think you know, you're not living in it today. And I think that was a very important distinction for me because when I do my community manager stuff in the Facebook group, your messaging is not, yeah, um, I know what you feel like. This is what happened to me. Your messaging is, I see you and I hear you, right? And it's the same thing when you think about like your students. We have all been students before, right? But I'm in a teacher role. When you're the classroom teacher, like you're... You, it's 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 similar to the same to the same kind of experience where you you just have to understand what your role is now and um yeah it gives you credibility and edge that you were a classroom teacher once that that's very helpful but it's not who you are currently and i think that's very humbling honestly yeah and i've i've it gave me goosebumps when you were talking and i don't mean to be, sound like corny but it did because I've seen you grow in that arena. And I remember you saying, well, I just don't, as a teacher, I don't have anything to say because I, it, I don't know, but yeah. I'm like, as a community manager, you have something to say, <laughs> you know, and that transition of just like owning it. And now I am so proud of what we've built together, this community of educators, helping each other, supporting each other. And I know we'll get into it. And it's a bit of, sure. of a, a cliffhanger, but why don't I jump? So we've talked a little bit about transitions at the end of the episode. Sure. Amanda's going to give her contact information. So if you have questions, we also have another episode with Lily Jones, and she talks all about what it's like to make that move mm -hmm. from in the classroom to out of the classroom. She also has a community called Educator Forever that helps people just create side hustles to get a little dip right. in the toe, dip in the toe. Dip, 
<laughs> water <laughs> um, to see if you even like it because yeah. sometimes it's a real big chance to jump in full throttle and go, okay, I'm, I'm in it. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. You can taste it. It's a different story. Okay. So let's jump into ed tech. So okay. the people that are listening are ed tech professionals, and I'm sure they'd love to hear from you now that you have one foot in tech. And, you know, even though we don't do a lot of ed tech at Meta um, somewhat, but you also have your fir like foot firmly in the educator area. So I'm wondering if you had any advice to ed tech companies that can help ease the transition for educators. So whether it be, I think just hiring for one, but then maybe tips to in integrate educator voices when they can and get close to the people that they're trying to sell to and help. I think that's an awesome question. The first thing that I would say is, you know, for, for my transition, it's, it's interesting when you think about my transition because I was like in education and now I'm in tech, but to get there, I, I had to walk through the ed tech. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. And anyways, I'm still in there, you know, um, even prior to my role at Meta, there was an ed tech role, like there was instructional coaching. But in order to make that walk, I think as an educator myself, I had to understand what ed tech means. And I, I feel like that's very important. So like ed tech companies, if you are hiring educators or you want to ease a transition, Ask them what they think it means and then define for them what does it mean to be an ed tech. And I think a part of that is is super um, it's super important because myself, I remember like I needed a little bit of time and I need a little bit of resources to understand what it was that was happening so that I could take the skills that I already have and translate it into my new role. And that goes back to that thing that I was talking to you about vocabulary, right? That, that new vocabulary, it was a steep learning curve for me. Like learners can be clients, for example, you know, strategy document is like a curriculum plan, so on and so forth. I needed that time and space to be like, oh, the skills are transferable. It's just a different environment, right? Um, so that's one thing that I would, that I would think. Um, and then in terms of like the educator voices, I, I was I was reflecting on that a lot actually. And I I, I actually love what LCG does. I'm gonna be completely trans transparent with you guys. Like what you do is so beautiful in meaningfully incorporating the educator voice. Like for example, this concept of an educator in residence, that is amazing. <laughs> like, like that is so cool. And I feel like if I had seen something like that in other ed tech companies, it would be very meaningful for me. So and just for context, um, we, I think it was our first one, but last summer we did an educator in residence position and it was for practicing in classroom teachers for them just during summertime to come and join us and get their feet wet on what it would be like in the world of ed tech. I mean, granted, we're a little bit different because we service ed tech, but what it would be like to help us with social media strategy and plans for ed tech and community building for ed tech and content creation for ed tech. And a shout out to our first ever educator in residence, Stevie Frank, who is now still working with us to help engage um, with clients and gives us feedback all the time. That's so it, it is something really hard to do, I would say, that we're still struggling with is how, how do we constantly infuse educator voices into everything we do? Um, it's, it's not easy. 
<laughs> but what we want to do is at least create the space to learn and then reflect and say, how can we make it better for next time? Um, yeah. But we learned so much from her. We still have her on board. We're going to do one for the summer as well. And I think we're probably putting the job out in, in a month or so. I That's beautiful to me because, like you said, they're not out of the classroom. They're stepping in They're They're dipping their toes and they're yeah. seeing what it's like. And that gives them, honestly, an edge. Because if they do choose to go into that full time, then you have that background. Um, yeah. 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 Great. Well, I think in the world of ed tech, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in K-12. At, at times, ed tech is trying to sell to K-12 when some of the most challenging moments in, in our history are happening. And on top of that, educators need some more support than ever every single day. And I'm wondering if, like, if, man, you started an ed tech company and it's like booming, like, what were the things that you think you would do to support educators? Because I don't think we talk about supporting educators just for the sake of it, too, enough in ed tech. I think one, uh, I, I said this before, but listening to them is, is, paramount listening 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 and providing as many avenues as you can to listen so when i say listen i don't just mean like sit in a room with them i'm talking like reading their comments reading their posts if we're going to talk about the nurse teachers community sitting in the spaces that they convene together their in-person or virtual lounges if that's the word you want to use it doesn't matter um getting their feedback when creating events and spaces for them and i i think the biggest learning curve for me was understanding oftentimes I feel like ed tech, ed tech companies look at the hero or the person that's at the end of the line as the student or the learner. And I understand why people think that because they are the ones that are going to be receiving the learning or piloting whatever it is that you're testing out. I think that the hero is the educator. <laughs> I truly, truly, truly feel that way. And I get to experience that every day in the role that I do in the nurse teachers community. But if we can really inter internalize and unlock that, if the teacher is good and they feel heard and they have opportunities to co-design with you and really plan what would make the experience, whatever your experience you're choosing to be beautiful, then everybody's going to benefit, not just the learners. Literally, everybody's going to benefit. So yes. um, I think and that that's... For those of you not seeing the video, I was like, is my hands raising the roof? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bugs me to no end. We, te we treat teachers like conduits. Like, conduits. I have, like I have to go through the teacher to get to the student that I actually care about. And we don't do it intentionally at times, but a lot of our language really reinforces that. And what if we just supported educators for educators' sake? In common sense, if, if educators are happy, feeling seen, feeling heard, all the things around that, guess what? Everyone around them benefits. So we Literally don't everyone. Yeah. Right? 100%. I think that was like it, that singular understanding, like uh, coming down to the members of the company or to the company itself, if you understand that, I feel like it's very transformative. Very transformative. Awesome. Well, let's, we've been teasing about Nourish Teachers. We've been teasing yeah. about what you do in your role. Let's actually get into it. So maybe tell us a little bit about Nourish Teachers and maybe talk about your role and what, a, if you have a typical day, what a typical yeah. day is like. For you. 
So nurse teachers is a community. I'm very intentional about saying that it is a community of, 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 of teachers. Um, it exists as a Facebook group. And notice I say the word group because groups are not necessarily communities. Groups are just groups of people together that are, exist in an online platform. So the nurse teachers, we have currently about 640 teachers from around the United States, which is so incredible, all ages, all spans, all subjects, all genders, like it's just, it's awesome. And the purpose of the nurse teachers community is to focus on nourishing the, the educator first and foremost as the respected human they are. And that is very, um, powerful because that addresses their personal life, that addresses their professional life, that addresses their hobbies, their ups, their downs, their lows, their normals, all of that. All of that is welcome here. It is a safe community, um, meaning that we keep it gated as in the people that are in the Facebook group or the community are, are specifically classroom K through 12 teachers in the United States. And what myself and four other moderators do, so we have four moderators that are current classroom teachers, they co-design this every day, is that we really cultivate the community, we spend a lot of time listening and informing the culture of what this place looks like. So most of my day, if, if I were to like to break down what my typical day looks like, it straddles obviously between the nourished teachers world and the meta world. But when I'm talking about the nourished teachers part, I do a lot of reading. I read a lot of comments, a lot of posts. I make sure that I react and comment on every single thing that educators are saying because it goes back to like Ilana was telling me that community manager role. I see you, I hear you. I may not know the answer, but if you're here at an event, cool. <laughs> if you're here to ask a question about so-and-so curriculum, wonderful. If you're here to share your joys, wonderful. Um, and so I, I, I do a lot of that. And oftentimes throughout the week, we also put in certain opportunities for teachers as well to react to or comment. Example, we do like every other month, we do like coffee. Go get yourself a cup of coffee. Nourish yourself on your way to work. Tell us what you got. Send us a picture, <laughs> whatever, right? We do weekly chats, which are which stands for come hang out and talk. But the topics of what we talk about vary from every single thing you can think about. Like we do things like crafts together. We have game nights. We have general chats where we just talk about what's going what's going on in our classrooms today. And these are co-designed. So these are co-designed by the moderators and Oftentimes the guest speakers themselves are teachers in the community who just want to talk and share about what they do. We also pilot different experiences for them, which um, to me was game changing, life changing. For example, there was a there was the um, partnership with Meta and LCG for the Meta Educator Grant, which is a $250 unrestricted grant. And we piloted at first with the nurse teachers community, and it was so successful <laughs> to be able to, to, to test it out with these educators to say, hey, we respect you as a professional you are, fill out so-and-so form throughout the process, whatever, and then they get to tell us if they want to what they use that money for. So those are, those are some of the things that I do, but the... I like to think of it as the, as as similar to what it's like when I was in my last years of teaching, kind of like when I remember like my last years of teaching, I transitioned from being at the front of the room to like the side of the room. And that's what I do every day now. I'm kind of like on the side facilitating, <laughs> making sure the culture is 
is rich and safe and nourishing. Yeah. And as you were talking, I'm like, gosh, you know, I bet you ed tech people that are thinking about a community go, wow, this sounds like puppies and rainbows, like let's right. okay. and send coffee. And, you know, how does this relate to the bottom line? Like, how does this relate to their business objectives? And we work really hard alongside you to really create that dotted line to business objectives. But the little things that, you know, a man is talking about actually aren't in, even in I don't even know if they make the top 10 of business objectives of having this community, but having a place that you can not test things, but sometimes pilot things. Correct. And that is invaluable. Having time where, you know, and they don't dominate. I would say they're probably like 5% of the total posts, but every once in a while you'll be like, hey, we have an opportunity to, you know, user test something, you know, who's who's in. So there's a lot of, of those things, but Beyond that, it's invaluable to understand the pulse of educators every Correct. single day. What are they going through? What are they feeling? How do they talk about things? How do they not talk about things? What's triggering for them? You have your own private space there Correct. Um, that you want to make sure that you always maintain confidentiality and you don't ever hurt trust. But it, it almost reminds me of when uh, Baby Center existed. They they had this really big forum where all... And, and, you might know of them now, I mean, but like you can go there and ask any question under the sun and it's this huge community. But I think Johnson and Johnson owns them or Procter yeah. and Gamble or something mm -hmm. owned them for a while. And they used it just purely for R and D purely. They never really pushed any other products or anything like that. It was just understanding deeply who they're serving. Totally. And I wanted to add something on that too, is in that I spend a lot of my day, most of my day doing that, but I'm also in meta. And so there's a big portion of that, of, of providing that, 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 that pipeline or window. I create, for example, strategy documents, or I work on like recruitment documents. I work with marketing on a daily basis, but when you come to a marketing team, for example, and tell them, listen, little things like being seen and heard in this way or that way make a difference, that is so much more powerful than saying something like, I'll do a paid ad to get a nurse, to get a teacher to join our community. That's cool. But having word of mouth because this teacher has had their life changed being in this community is even more powerful. And so it goes back to that translation thing, like living between those two worlds. Yes. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your role. I, I know that you're slightly downplaying your role within Meta itself because I know running social teams and community teams, it's hard sometimes to really translate what you see every day in the community to a meeting and you'll do your best, but then you'll find yourself being invited to all the meetings because they want that teacher voice, right? Yes. So part of your role is recognizing how do I train them up as well so they can build their own capacity too. And that's always the struggle of community managers and social media managers because they're on the pulse every day, right? Correct. There's, there's a big element of advocacy, huge, huge element of advocacy and, and trying to understand how do you translate what's happening in in both a quantitative and qualitative way. Because there are community, you, you can't quantify everything in community and you also can't qualify, if that's even a word, everything in a tech company. And so you have to have this, this dance where you're showing like vignettes of what's happening also with activity rate, <laughs> for example, to show that something's working here and it's unique. 
Yeah. And I love that. It is a dance. It's, it's like, and like you said, sometimes you're doing things in, in the beginning of the podcast and you don't know the words for it. And it's okay. Cause sometimes in community, the words don't exist and yeah. we can tell you, and we have gotten very good at giving you measurable outcomes of community. But the fact of the matter is you have to be comfortable knowing that you will never know the impact, the entire impact that the community does. Um, and you know, Porter really um, has taught me a ton. So Porter leads our community and she's the director of joy here at LCG has taught me a ton about community. And she would say very confidently, Alana community saves lives. And I said, wow, you know, okay, you're really confident about that. (laughs) And I've seen it and I, and I had seen bits of it at Edutopia, but not to the level I see in the depth. If you really be strategic and think about what type of community you do want to foster and what type you don't and you see it happen and it is a lifeline to your educators and i'm I'm so happy to be working with with people like you and and porter because that that intentionality is what makes it lift you have to really really like it's it's a it's a heavy lift in the beginning to be that intentional about your guidelines and the culture you want to build and then once you you really build that that base i think it was porter that was telling me about the stages of community building it follows the stages of biology like the mitosis stages yeah. um, <laughs> uh, but once you get to that point where you are mitosising <laughs> that's even the word um, the community is going to tell you what it wants which is pretty beautiful Yeah. And those of you that listen to some of our podcasts might be sick of this, but we talk about this magic in the middle. So what the community wants is something that you have to take into consideration, because if you don't build anything that they want, they're not going to go to it. Right. But you can't build something just what they want for the sake of what they want. It has to match with your business objectives. Then you have to like get the real person in the room and say, do we have budget? Do we have capacity? Do I have some, you know, human manpower here to jump in? So it has to also be that intersection of capacity, but you know, the business objectives and the member needs. And what Porter has said to me a long time ago that stuck with me is that, you know, you don't have a community unless your members of community say it's a community. That's correct. You can't call it a community. I was like, that's brilliant. I love it. And it's true. percent true and, and when you start to hear that you're like yeah <laughs> like, like we're doing something right <laughs> for sure so i mean um, amongst all of your day-to-day and you've been in it for a long time every minute every weekend if you had to boil down some of your top lessons learned building community do you have a couple of them you think that would be helpful for others as they're maybe considering the profession or, or their community builders and they don't know it. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can think of one right now from our conversation and that's like when you are in, when you are starting out to build a community, do sweat the small stuff, do like sweat that small stuff, be intentional. Like we just talked about right now, like what is it that your vision is? What is it that your mission is? And, and how do you want to build that culture down to everything? Right. So I, I would say that that's something that has really resonated with me because I I went from when I joined Nourish Teachers, I went from being reactionary uh, to now being proactive. And that's a huge transformation for me. So that that would be one thing that's uh, that's really important to me. The second thing that I would think about is 
what is it what does it mean to be a community i've asked that question like that was like one of my first questions when i joined meta because when you ask people what they think community is there are so many different answers depending on where they are and so what you believe to be community align yourself with other folks that have the same vision and i'm, I'm happy to say like I feel like I have the same understanding of community that you, Ilana, have, or that Porter, for example, has, or that even members of my team in Meta have in terms of where they want the nurse teachers to go. So that's, that's huge. That's huge. <laughs> that's huge. And I think the, the other thing that I've seen us all struggle with is it's okay if you can't do it all, if you can't get to it all, and if you are truly co-creating a community. And I love our model where we do have facilitators that can jump in that are in classroom that you there's as you build an active and growing community, you will never have time to hit every single educator that responds, jumps in. And that's actually a good problem to have. And I remember us reflecting in our meetings is like this yeah. was the first times I couldn't catch up. And I was so glad that, you know, we had people on different time zones and things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Completely, completely. Like you and can't be a control freak coming into community. <laughs> you really can't because the community is going to tell you what it wants. And, and that's, the, and that's the other, that's the last thing, especially working at Meta, which is a company that is founded in social networking and building community, right? Understanding that your journey is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You have to be patient. <laughs> like It's going to take some time. And then when you think it's taking time, it's going to take some more time. And that's okay. And think about what matters most. Because sometimes we think about what matters most and we're like big numbers, vanity metrics. But does that really matter? And sometimes it's same thing that applies to social media. And I give them a would you rather. Would you have, yeah. rather have a page like Coca-Cola on Facebook, yeah. millions of followers, but zero engagement. And when they post, it's like, you know, RSS feed. Hey, here's a, here's a promotion. It's nothing. Would you rather have that very low engagement, very low reach, very high vanity metrics, right? Okay. Very high members. Or would you have something on the other spectrum, 200 people, but very high reach. Every single one of them is actively engaged. And I know those are like huge, big contrasts. Right. And somebody's probably going to say, oh, I want something in the middle. And that's probably right. But the point of the exercise is to get them to understand what they really want. Correct. And sometimes we just say, oh, I want big numbers. But what do those big numbers actually do to the impact that you want? And you can start on any spectrum. People do that. <laughs> like people will, will go for this spectrum or they'll go for this spectrum. They both have heavy lifts in a different way. That's true. Yeah. Well, um, I think we've talked a lot about community. I, I thank you for being like just really honest and raw about the challenges. Like this is hard work. This is a, a labor of love. You're in it every day. You'll have bad days. You'll have good days. It's, it's sometimes never one, one big moment. It's a, it's like a, a culmination of all the little things. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is very rewarding work. So I just, I, your passion is shining through. Um, I know if people want to reach out to you about community, we'll also put some resources about community building sure. in the show notes. And after this episode, we'll throw in the URL and I'll talk about the URL or you can get to it, but the show notes will have resources if you want to explore community even more so. But I oh mean, as we kind of wrap up this episode, I'd love for you, since you have been an educator, 
if you have any parting thoughts to, to educators, to parents, to education administrators right now, um, speaking of like seeing them and hearing them, yeah. is there anything you want to say to them? I, I reflected on this the other day and I was just, I was thinking about that and it, it's, it's the conclusion that I come to even when I spend time in the nurse teachers community. And that's like, I have, I, I'm sending you so much love, <laughs> no matter, no matter what stage you're in, what, whatever perspective it is, whether you're an educator or a parent or, or an admin, there's so much love to you right now because it's not easy. It's not easy wherever you are. And it, it sounds random, but it reminds me of like, whether you're in the car or whether you're a pedestrian or whether you're in the bike and everybody that's in that position is kind of like, move out of my way. <laughs> or like, this is my right of way. Or and we're all on the same road. And I just, I hope that we give each other that, that grace because it's really rough out there today. And there are moments of joy that we can find, but also at the same time, like just give yourself that time. So I, I, I know that that's, that's, that's not that deep, but it's, it's truly how I feel. <laughs> no, and it's really helpful. It's really helpful. It starts with, that's a very empathetic response of like, we see you, um, give yourself yeah. a break. It's freaking hard. And we're sending love. It is, it is freaking hard. And we're sending love and, and like, we're, we're sending it from the perspective that we can in our capacity. Yeah. So, yeah. so the last question we asked all of our guests as we wrap up is is a fun one because your days can be very challenging even as an educator obviously but when we have those days that gosh you just feel like you want to go home and just stare at a wall or hit your head or don't talk to me i want to get in my box like i i cannot process anything more this was such a challenging day i feel depleted how yeah. do you replenish yourself that's a really good question i i i love to sing so I love to sing. I love to play the guitar. That's kind of my, my joy. Um, and admittedly, I do a lot of social media. So <laughs> I'm like on Facebook or TikTok or watching Netflix. But um, most importantly for me, but it's, it's been so important for me to spend time with my family. Because when you are in the position that you're in, like doing the work that I do, it's, it's a lot of empathy. It's a lot of um taking on and so when you're with your family it's it's nice to be able to let that go yeah yeah that's great well we could talk for hours and I, i'm lucky that we get to but really quickly why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you and if you if you're thinking about any resources you'd like to share we can put them in the show notes as well Sounds good. Um, I think the best way to reach me is, is via LinkedIn, to be honest. So Ilana, I don't know how that works. If I give you the, yeah, I'll put it in, um, in the show notes too. Perfect. But I'll give you the LinkedIn that that's, that's the best way to keep in touch with me. And, um, if you are a classroom K through 12 teacher and you'd like to see me in the nurse teachers community, please join. <laughs> yeah. And so what we'll do is we'll put information on how you can join the nourish teachers community. It's a completely free community. Totally. Um, and what we do is make sure that it's a safe enough space that you are valid K-12 U.S. educators. And then there's not um, admins or other things that you might feel um, less inclined to talk in groups. So we take that very seriously as well. And you, as you heard from a man, her passion is growing communities. There's a lot of passionate educators in there that purely are there just to help each other because 
as we've talked about, and you know, if you're listening, this is not easy. No. <laughs> hope to make it a little bit brighter in your day at times. And, and the smiles keep us going when we see them in Nourish Teachers. Absolutely. It's a beautiful place to be, honestly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Aman, for joining us. So I did promise you show note URL. So it is leoniconsultinggroup.com. So that's two Gs, leoniconsultinggroup.com backslash 40. Um, that's the age I tell people I am. <laughs> 40. <laughs> Um, for all the notes. So we, and if you're a just person that loves to read and say, what did she say again? We'll actually recap the highlights of the conversation as well and throw in all of the resources that we've mentioned in this episode. So thank you all for joining. We really appreciate it. As always, I encourage you to pause after this episode and reflect on what did you learn and what are the small things you can put into action in your day? Because sometimes it's just a small mind shift and it can make such a big difference. So thank you all very much. We'll see you next time on all things marketing and education. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit Leone Consulting Group dot com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends. So please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.